This is Paul. This is Connor. And welcome this to is Silver is Screamers. Screamers. Your terrible genre jumping decade up in film podcast. You can't say that. We're beautiful. Oh like my God, <laughs> terrible. I think this is the shortest time we've ever, ever waited before recording a next podcast. I know, I miss Yvonne already. <laughs> Will this be a step down? I feel I feel it's not going to be as exciting without her. Also, I must apologize because I'm sick. I've been sick all week with the man flu. Uh, so. I feel like we've been, one of us has been quite ill for like quite a few of our recordings. I if was hung over. Ill, you were hung over. I was ill. <laughs> I was hung over. And I was sick, like... I think I was sick for another one. I remember saying to you, I was eating halfway through and saying that my excuse was that I was sick. Before we talk about Mira's wedding, do you want to just briefly have a review of the Oscars? Because in the last episode, it was about a week beforehand and we made our predictions. Yes. And we were pretty much on the ball for most things. Mm, I think there was a few we were off on. I got every actor right. The only one I got wrong was Best Picture, but I did say it, it might be a threat. I can't remember what I said, <laughs> to be honest. But I'm sure I got them all wrong. I thought my uh, 1917 would win Best Picture, but I said I hoped that. Uh, well, I wanted. Re- I really my favorite films were Jojo Rabbit and Little Women. But we hadn't seen Parasite by the time we recorded the last episode. I think we watched it like the day after. I think we watched it the day after or something. And, and we loved it. Yeah, and really I it. feel like the only person who isn't happy that it won Best Picture is Donald Trump. Oh well, who cares about Donald Trump? <laughs> I think <that's laughs> seriously. It, it was weird. It was almost like collectively everyone was like, "Yes, they got, they got it right." Everyone well, was like I think I think everybody recognised that it was a bit of a momentous occasion with a foreign language film winning Best Picture, hmm. except for Donald Trump, who's clearly a racist bigot. He wanted a uh, Gone with the Wind to win. I think oh, I don't know even what he was talking about. <laughs> I think he thinks like it's like just the best picture that's ever. What about been. Gone with the Wind? Bring Gone with the Wind back. And then Sunset Boulevard, he wanted as well. And also had to had to comment on uh, Brad Pitt's speech because he's totally pathetically um, self conscious or very low self esteem, uh, very high self confidence, very low self esteem. <laughs> I don't actually remember Brad Pitt saying anything. I don't remember that. Um, I was glad for Brad Pitt to win. We we did see a few other. I mean f- Trump. Trump interrupt. Trump I know. I know. We did see a few of the nominees. We finished off the ones that we hadn't seen. Um, we also watched. Um, Ferrari versus Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, oh. that was alright. It was a bit of a schnooze fest. It was just not my jam. I I can recognise it was a good film, but last night we watched Hustlers, which absolutely should have been up there. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it, it was. It was like it was very entertaining. It was enjoyable. I don't know if it was if it should have been up for best picture. I think so. Absolutely. I, it reminded me so much of a Scorsese film in that it like it it took us on a journey of these characters and how they bonded and how they got involved in this kind of you know. I, I thought it had elements of Goodfellas. I thought it had elements of The Wolf of Wall Street. I don't think it had a wow factor. Oh, I totally disagree. Totally disagree. I thought. The I watched I, I watched the film about at the end of it I was like yeah that was a good film I enjoyed it but it didn't sort of at any point make me go oh wow this yeah, is I thought you I amazing. thought we were like singing its praises last night but we were it was a good movie but I don't think it was maybe best picture material 
I think it was better than a few of the ones up there. It was definitely better than The Irishman. It was better than Ford v Ferrari. Uh, I think I think I think I thought it was really interestingly directed with some interesting musical choices. I thought the acting was stellar. Jennifer Lopez was amazing. I think though, as we just listened to another critic's review of it, she was right that Jennifer Lopez, you know, it wasn't. It was slap bang in the middle of her comfort zone. It wasn't anything that really pushed her. No, I suppose any Jennifer Lopez film I've ever seen before has been kind of trashy. And has been kind of just fluffy. That one where she's a ballroom dancer with. Uh, no, that's more your. Your I can't remember now. My friend. Dad yeah, with Richard Gere. Say, said he loved that. Yeah, Richard Gere and J Lo. Got to no. Something like that. Got Save to dance the last dance. Something. No. Something. No. Dances in the title. Like yeah. uh, I thought. I, I know what you mean. I do agree. She wasn't. I know what you mean. She was playing a very Jennifer Lopez role. But I still feel like you know when uh, De Niro and Pacino play their typical things. Everyone bows down. She was doing it, and she was doing it so competently, oozing charm. She's also like fifty, and she was. She's been around that pole like amazing so I don't necessarily think she deserved the Oscar but I think she should have got I think I would have given her a nomination I think she deserved a nomination definitely Mm. I would have been fine with her getting a nomination but uh, yeah I don't uh, I don't know but it probably wasn't challenging enough a role to maybe warrant that nomination and maybe that's something the Academy recognised I do think there's something to be said that because it was a, a very female orientated film, a lot of uh, they just don't quite see it on the same level as the boys club films like Ford v Ferrari like The Irishman I kind of feel with De Niro and Pacino, to be honest you're probably right that they can just play themselves and then they get a nomination but that's just how it seems to be they, they, Like those two are examples of people who just play similar characters in everything and managed to get a nomination I don't know why that is they're obviously very good actors <laughs> no they are good uh, I, I, I th- they are good I'm not taking away from them I just I want to elevate I would like to elevate actresses like Jennifer Lopez to their level I don't want to take them down I just want to elevate J-Lo and she's I know she's like a relatively limited actress I do think that but I think she was brilliant in this role I thought I thought she was more interesting in this role than Laura Dern who ended up winning I actually didn't think Laura Dern in that role uh, the, the lawyer in uh, Marriage Story Marriage. she had a nice monologue she was yeah. funny I don't know the part didn't seem very sophisticated or you know she had one relatively short uh, you know but fine monologue and she was the I think that film was quite dark in tone and she brought a certain amount of light to it and there was certain little things she did that I did like like she was all really tough in in the courtroom and really really harsh against uh, Adam Driver's character and then out in the lobby as soon as she saw Ray Lolita who was uh, Adam Driver's lawyer the two of them were like oh we must have a salad and I, I liked that little kind of like uh, for her this is just another day in the office but that's that is exactly how it happens in courts like I've 
I did my very short inter- interning in a solicitor's practice. Paul's laughing when I'm bringing this up. Um, but the, the the second I went to one of the, I went to the court once with the family court uh, solicitor in this practice. And the second she got through the gates of the the court yard her whole demeanour changed and she was running over to these barristers going darling darling wonderful to see you let's do lunch and all this kind of stuff and I was like this is so fucking fake well that's it I mean to be fair I mean but that's it that to them it's all just it's you know it's, it's like it's a doctor a it's, a, it's also like a, a, a counsellor or a doctor when they leave when they go home they have to just leave work behind them but it's but to, to these guys these solicitors and barristers the whole thing is yeah that's true There's, yeah it's like playing chess kinda, yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah it's not necessarily who's who's right or who's wrong it's who puts forward the best argument who wins at the end of the day but but they're also outside the courtroom they are still they're just normal it's a bit like us when we disagree on a film and then after the podcast we're like yay <laughs> when you get into a strop you mean what um, cool. Okay, that's my. Um, oh, we also saw the lighthouse, which I loved, and Connor hated. <laughs> hour and a half of my life wasted. Uh, more than that, I think. Um, I liked it. I thought it was good. It was great. I just can't be abiding these uh, really arty, farty movies where they have monologues which don't make any sense. And for eighty percent of the film, it's Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe just shouting at each other and then uh, fighting each other and rolling around on top of each other, and then a few kind of bizarre scenes. It was great. Something about a lighthouse. Something about something in the light, and then yeah, it was like this creepy, homoerotic nightmare. Our, uh, surreal uh, story that I just thought was shot beautifully and I recognised that about halfway through I recognised you weren't enjoying it I could in the cinema I could just uh, I could hear like oh for god's sake oh, oh. <laughs> that took me out a little bit <laughs> but I loved it I really liked it I thought it was one of the most interestingly shot films we've seen in so long apparently the equipment that they use for, this is the last thing we'll, and we'll go on to Muriel's wedding my mum told my mum gently uh, not actually not that gently told me the other day she listened to our last episode and she said he's waffle on a lot at the start <laughs> well if your mother wants to come on and keep this focused so yeah my point is we'll be quick uh, I liked it a lot although we only got about 35 minutes and then we have to go for my dad's birthday no. okay so let's move to Miro's wedding um, to be fair I think this I always say this but I feel it might be a short enough episode because I don't have a usually I have like a thesis statement I don't really have that I just really liked this film but can I just say one thing no when you picked this last time that was I was like oh yeah grand love that film great and about an hour later I was just thinking about oh I wonder what the episode will be like and then I thought to myself hang on Maria's wedding isn't a rom-com this is rom-com theme. This ain't a rom-com. This is not a rom-com at all. Uh, yeah, I suppose it's not a traditional rom-com. It's not a rom-com. <laughs> um, it's a black comedy. There's no romantic interest. Well, I mean, I suppose the whole thing is her wanting love and trying to find someone to marry. And, you know, it's all about, the you know, 
these girls' impressions of what marriage will be and how it'll change their lives and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's not a traditional rom-com, but I think it could f- float into that sphere. It might be a stretch, but whatever. I think it's more... I think it's a friendship film. I think it's about her friendship with Rhonda. I think that's the... Well, I don't... We'll get into it, but I don't think they're, she's Muriel's a particularly nice person or friend. no. But I think, I think the beats that a rom com traditionally fall goes through, in terms of boy meets girl. Um, in actual fact, she her her romance. Well, not her romance. She kind of gets a bit infatuated with the swimmer guy. Does she know? Ah, yeah, she does. Yeah, she sees him and she's like, "Oh, yeah, yes, please." I, I think she loves the idea of him. Yeah, but at the end of it, she says, "You know, I can't, I can't stay with you," and they're both very amicable, and that sort of romance in her mind ends quite nicely uh, without any sort of sour grapes. And but the whole point was, it wasn't a romance. It was just a well, there was a roman a romantic notion in her head, but it wasn't, it wasn't love or anything like that. So I think this, I think this, the reason I think this is, I guess this is my thesis statement. Ah, there you go. I've surprised myself. Her relationship with Rhonda, we'll go into more specifics in a minute, but her relationship with Rhonda, she meets Rhonda and straight away they have this passionate friendship, of, you know, where life just gets so amazing. And then, you know, as in that, you know, a lot of romantic comedies did the couple falls in love. And then there's a misunderstanding and, you know, in a real cliche rom-com, there's a misunderstanding or there's a, some sort of hitch. And then the couple break up halfway through. Uh, and that's when poor Rhonda gets cancer. And we'll talk about all this in more detail in a minute. And then Muriel lets her down. Doesn't isn't there for her when she needs it. So the couple are broken up. And in the last act... They re- she realizes, oh, wait, no, you're the person I need to be with. And then the couple get back together and live happily ever after. As in Muriel and Rhonda, are, their friendship is back on track. So that's what, that, that's where I feel like it's more like a friendship comedy than a romantic comedy. It's a friendship comedy with romantic comedy elements. How about that? Yeah, well, it, like I said, it hits the beats. Anyway, but, uh, we're, 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 we're talking about it now. So <laughs> Do you not think that's right? Yeah, no, it, it probably is more of a movie around friendship, but... Um, I think th- I think it has it, it does have uh, romantic comedy elements to it. Okay, so you want me to do the I'm doing the intro this week because uh Connor's a bit sick. Okay. So Paul's gonna do the two minute forty uh synopsis of Muriel's wedding. Well I haven't done any I haven't even thought about this because I um this is technically your week, but I'm going to do it because you're sick, so I haven't even thought about it. But that makes the best one to do. Can I have it in front of me when it's counting down? Okay. You count me in. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. So there's a girl called Muriel who's from a place called Porpoise Spit in Australia, which is a little seas- a quiet seaside town. And she has a group of frenemies who are horrible girls who one of them gets married and doesn't have her as a bridesmaid. And halfway through the wedding, she is arrested for stealing a dress. And her father is a politician and he gets her off. But um, she goes back to see her friends and they basically unfriend her. They're like, Muriel, you're horrible. We don't want to be your friend anymore. And she gets very upset. And they all go off on a holiday together. And her parents, uh, she, her, da- her dad arranges for her to get a job as a makeup saleswoman. And write, tells her mother to write her a blank check to get her all the procedures. Uh, all the all the equipment for the job and she writes her blank check and um she cashes three three thousand 
three thousand um, Australian dollars and flies and has uh, to the girls and like kind of freaks them out. And uh, on this holiday, she meets a girl called Rhonda, who she knew from school, and Rhonda and her totally bond and. Um, uh, they're, they kind of stick it to the, the four girls and kind of reveal that one of the girls is cheating on the other one's partner. It doesn't matter. And they have a brilliant, they fall in love friendship wise and they have a great time. And uh, Muriel lies and says that she's engaged to Rhonda. And then when she comes back, her mother is like, You wouldn't steal my money, would you, Muriel? Uh, but it turns out she did steal the money. And so she goes, she runs off to Sydney and lives with Rhonda. And she meets a little boy, and they like have a little romance. And uh, while well, Rhonda's having a threesome, and then Rhonda gets cancer in her back uh, that she realizes after her fall, and then she has to go in a wheelchair. And she, uh, Muriel says, "Oh, I'll look after you. I'll look after you." Uh, we have a minute left, but then all Muriel wants is to get married and she feels that the only thing that matters in life is her to get married so she go- goes to a personal ad and finds a South African swimmer who's looking for a com- marriage of convenience and she gets married to him and because she gets married to him she can't live with Rhonda anymore so Rhonda has to go back to Porpoise Spit and also while this is all happening her father has been has left her mother and her mother is just as a very, very we're going to have a big chat talk about her mother I'm sure we are and then uh, she realises then oh and then, her, and then her mother dies her mother dies she commits suicide um, but like uh, yeah she does and, and then uh, 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 her sister but her father is like rushes under and it's, it's it's recorded as a heart attack and she gets really upset and she breaks up with the swimmer but they do have one ride before the end and uh, then she kisses him goodbye and then she goes back to Porpoise Spit and says to Rhonda let's move in together and we'll be friends forever and Rhonda's like alright and then they go off to Sydney. to Sydney oh look at that that was that was my best one yet I think very good yeah, well done I hit all the notes I'm sure I, I left lots of I thought you were. I thought you were going on a bit at the start there, and I was like, "Oh, he's not going to make it." But then he pulled it back. You there pulled it back you go. The there you go. I'm getting better. What? Well, what, what's your? You liked it, didn't you? I did. I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to, and I didn't like when Navon said last week that this was her favorite movie. I thought I was going to sort of. I thought I would like it a lot more than I did, but no, it was. It was. Oh, it I was thought. Fun. I I thought you'd love this, man. I. I we watched it together but we don't usually talk too much to save our reactions for the podcast but I, I thought you really loved it no not really loved it oh okay I enjoyed it but um, mm. I did I did like how it kind of had laughs and then had very very serious lows oh it was very, very sad yeah, very sad in some parts and uh, I looked over and you were you were in floods at one point um, what point was that the mother oh which he will talk about. It, it's not predictable, isn't it? That? No, it's not predictable. And it has a certain um, style to it, which I think is kind of Australian surreal, I would <laughs> yeah. say. It's very similar style to Strictly Ballroom. I think the dad is in Strictly Yeah, Ballroom. he is. Yeah, Bill Hunter. He played Barry Forth. And he's, the, he's almost the exact same character. He's, he's this insane. horrible, yeah. sleazy, corrupt man yeah that's obviously a and he's very he plays but well yes he's very good he's very good in the role um, so would you have ranked this as one of your favorite movies it's not one of my favorites but i'd really enjoy it i think it's a very very well crafted film very well written and very well acted yeah we talk about uh muriel muriel Boy. is she's kind of a loser she's a loser not a very nice person at the start and then ends up being a nicer person, but very self-absorbed to a certain extent. And 
Yeah, I think she's a product of her environment, though. Well, her dad is very abusive, and her dad is very uh, critical and not very supportive of his family. Of any of them. Any of them. Um, So all the kids seem to be losers. Muriel, Muriel is the only one who, by the end of it, has grown and has changed. All the other kids are still in the house. I, I actually think that they're meant to be younger than they are. She's meant to be... Well, they're smo- like they're smoking and stuff in the house. And That's true. Well, Janine is in it. Well, not Janine. Is Joan, it Janine? Joni. Uh, but I feel like the boy... I think they're... Uh, yeah, that's a good point. But they, they refer to them as the kids and you need to look after the kids towards the end. So I can't... Well, there is one young girl who's only about 12. Boy. There's a girl... Is there a young boy? He's a, there's a young boy. So there's there's Perry, who's the older boy. Right. He's the one who was Jeannie. meant to mow the lawn. Yeah. Jeannie. <laughs> Jeannie, who's the smoker. You're a terrible Muriel. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't, I'm not... can't remember the younger son's name. Right. Um, so they would be I suppose they're the kids because Muriel's the eldest but I mean they're on the dole <laughs> yeah okay so I guess they are all out of school they're yeah. out of school anyway um, so they're all they're all a bit losery but probably because the, the dad has been has been so overbearing so over, and she just as well critical Muri- Muri- Muriel has the most toxic group of friends they're Horrible! You got really upset at that part when they they unfriend her. Oh, I thought that was awful. They they they're sitting around the table saying we're going on a big holiday and you can't come because you're such a loser. Because you listen to bad music. Because you listen to ABBA. And because you're fat. Did they say they that? said that? Yeah, Jeez. you're fat, and we showed you how to do your hair loads of times, and then and then she gets upset. One of the girls, her husband has um. She realizes her husband is being, is cheating on her, and she starts getting upset. Then just after they've dumped Muriel, and then Muriel gets really upset, and then they turn around to her and they're like, "How could you be so selfish? Look at poor her husband's cheating on her." Yeah, yeah. It's so it's it's kind of awkward because she is pathetic, but your heart just goes out to her at the same time. Well, I don't think she. I don't think in that scene or prior to that, my. I was thinking, oh, you're pathetic. I was thinking more in that in that moment. I was thinking more about here's this girl who seems nice, who seems just ordinary, and likes Abba, and you know is a bit is a bit maybe of a kooky kooky one, and these girls are being absolutely disgusting to her. And well, like her because, even at the wedding when she catches the bouquet. <laughs> Her friends are like, that was so selfish of you. <laughs> what? Do, you've never even had a boyfriend. She's been dating this guy for six weeks. Because yeah, one of the bridesmaids starts crying because she, she didn't hasn't catch the, bo- so didn't catch the bouquet. The, the dynamic of the, the implication is that they've all been friends since they're kids because they're all from the same small town. And they have just, they're, they have nothing in common anymore. And you know, when you're, you're very young, you hang out with people who are adjacent to you rather than people that you're. I think the uh, yeah the implication is the that life has forced them together rather than than me actually friendly. yeah yeah and, yeah and uh, these girls have kind of grown up with a similar outlook on life and a similar that kind of nineties what would be cool it, it, even though it is nineties maybe it's because it's Australia <laughs> and it looks more 80s. it looked more eighties didn't mm. it? Do you know the way Saved by the Bell was set in the nineties but everyone dressed like they were from the eighties. 
It reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. I and it, that. it is early 90s, I guess. Um, it's mid-90s, 94. Yeah, no, you're right, actually, yeah. Um, did you ever have a friend break up with you? Um, I was trying to think. I think I have had somebody say, oh, I don't think we should hang out anymore. <laughs> But I don't think it made a big impression on me because I can't really remember specifics about it. Um, was that in school? Yeah. In primary or secondary? Um, I think primary. But I also had friends like in primary school and then we'd go into secondary and then we just... Uh, my, my best friend through primary and secondary, when we started college, we were in separate colleges. And uh, he uh, like arranged a meeting and like broke up with me like as a friendship it was just like yeah we're not gonna be friends anymore <laughs> and part of me when i think back in it is like if you have like a person in your life that you feel is is toxic you should absolutely be able to end that friendship but it was yeah it was it made a big impact on me it like really upset me at the time like it, it totally because when someone breaks up with you romantically that's fair enough but when someone breaks up with you friendshiply like you question your entire self-worth like it's 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 a yeah, I think as you get older probably less so you question their self you know you question them more than you yeah I guess that's okay and I suppose hindsight I think at that age because you're talking about then 18, 19 I was almost the, ex- I was the exact same age as Muriel um, I was Muriel yeah. <laughs> don't flatter yourself love <laughs> is that a, is that a fl- <laughs> is that flattering I don't know what that makes me <laughs> um so you, you kind of think by 18, 19, you've gone through primary and secondary school that people would sort of be a little bit more mature. Maybe not. Um, I know my friend, two of my uh, close friends, I worked in a shop when I was uh, 17. They were probably 15, 16. And um, there was kind of a gang of us that hang, hung out. And I'm still very close to two of them. But they had another friend who was part of this gang that we used to hang out who after secondary school cut them out and sort of decided that she would go her own way and yeah you know make new friends in college and i don't know to some extent some people think that they they have outgrown people um and they they've decided to put a bookend in a chapter of their life and start a new chapter fresh yeah i think that's that's probably I think as well when people leave school and go to college that's a big transition in your life and a lot of people think don't really like the image that they had in school and didn't like maybe don't look on that person when they were in school very fondly so they look and college is going to be a new chapter and I'm going to make new friends and I'm going to be a cooler person you know you know like so many people the nerds that were in school suddenly became become cool when they're in college you know that's I can tell you that I was a nerd in school and I didn't <laughs> become cool in college. I was, I was the same person. I think uh, the only thing is that I kind of had come out to my friends at that point, so maybe I was a bit more gregarious and a bit more myself. But to, to a large extent, like the, the friends that I've made in, in secondary school, they're, they're still my friends. And, you know, I have one or two friends from, from college, but, you know, they, they were... They're, they're my lifelong friends my old, my closest friends would be from that era not that I didn't go to school with them but they would have been my friends when I was in school but I've made friends along the way such as Yvonne such as Yvonne such as Yvonne um, but back, back to Muriel's wedding I was just I just wanted to use uh, kind of put my own little personal touch there because 
I think I think most people can understand. That's what it's like to have a friend be that mean to you. And they and the but friend this wasn't even a friend. This was a whole ga- group. A group of friends. So she had yeah. lost a whole group of friends. Her entire social life. Her and she had no job. And, and they were talking about going away to this hibiscus island for this wonderful. Her entire self worth was was just dashed. And the reason she was arrested from the from the wedding was because she had stolen a dress to make a good impression to try and make a good impression. I thought yeah, right. she she strikes me as the type of character who who does things irrational, irrational things, or say she say not irrational. She does rash things without thinking the consequences. Yeah, she's totally impulsive. Totally impulsive, such as stealing the money from her parents. Like I don't think for one second on that holiday she was thinking about her parents no and she didn't seem to have a plan of how to get away with she it she arrived home without yeah. anxiety she just thought oh I'll just go back and it'll be fine yeah she, my dad won't miss that three grand or whatever. <laughs> yeah um, yeah when she's on holiday so yeah do you want to continue talking about we should just talk about her then through the film should we rather than go character to character or what do you want to do I suppose she's in every scene so let's yeah, just follow I mean, her through okay when she goes to Sydney, she gets a total makeover. She looks totally different. She's got a little bob. Yeah, I don't... She's wearing, like, nicer clothes and stuff. Well, I suppose she goes... Yeah, she goes with Rhonda and she gets... <laughs> Rhonda. The, the outfit that that Muriel is wearing when she meets Rhonda is just hilarious. She's wearing, like, this red pleather thing and her hair is, like back combed and she's wearing sunglasses oh it's yeah just she looks like Jessica Rabbit or something well shimmery sequence but it's not dress. sexy no it's not sexy it's, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's what funny. she thinks yeah, yeah 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 so I guess Rhonda and her uh, they bond straight away and yeah. it's their friendship is lovely and Rhonda you just because at that stage poor Muriel has just been beaten down by her father by her friends so we just she just had a drink thrown her in her face by uh, her ex-friends yeah and she's so how, how sad is it that like even when this the friends broke up with her she, she still, still went, went on the holiday like, on the holiday by herself to the same resort yeah. and stalked them essentially yeah and then they come over they're so angry they throw a drink in her face yeah, it's it's so so. She needs Rhonda at that stage. Like Rhonda, when Rhonda enters the film at that stage, it's just like <sighs> some positive force in. And Rhonda is so confident and so loving. And I don't know why she takes an instant shining to Muriel. I think she just sees uh, Rhonda she sees herself in Muriel a bit. Yeah, yeah. And I think Rhonda is so full of life, but was bullied and has come through the other side and Muriel hasn't quite come through the other side but because Muriel told those fibs to her about being engaged and stuff maybe that's why Rhonda thought that but at the same time Rhonda was such is a nice person I don't think she would have been friends with Miriam Miriam Miriam. (laughs) Muriel she would have been friends with Muriel no matter what She, she just liked her I mean she was on holiday on her own as well yeah which is kind of but she was in Sydney at that stage right I don't know if they, if she, I think so, yeah, because I think after uh, Muriel goes back and realizes that the the police are on to her for for stealing that money, <laughs> she moves she, in with her. She then. moves to Sydney to to Rhonda to go. She goes to Rhonda. Yeah, yeah, and they did their ABBA, their ABBA lip sync. 
which is fabulous. Which is fabulous. <laughs> One thing I do like about Muriel is that she like the ABBA thing is very she just loves ABBA and that wasn't influenced by her friends that's her own little quirky thing that she just happens to love ABBA and that's cool that's a bit of individuality that she has yeah she kind of seems to be somebody who has her individual style and tastes but and and stays true to those but still wants to be liked and in and wants to be wants to conform yeah so it doesn't have to self doesn't have to self esteem self confidence to Say no, fuck it. I just like Abba, and I don't need those bitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she comes home. She gets a makeover, and she's in a video store, and she changes her name to Mario. Mario, yeah. And she dates this cute little duck guy who can't dance. <laughs> and yeah, okay. Let's talk about him for a second. He, I thought he should have come in at the end. The last time we see him is yeah. at their wedding. <laughs> he is loves Muriel, and. Is obviously taking out a lot of DVDs or a lot of new just to see her, yeah, just to go yeah. in to see her. Finally, plucks up the courage to ask her out. She says yes. They go out, have a great night. They're starting to get it on, and then okay, there's a misunderstanding where these guys who are shagging Rhonda come out and think that he's I don't know taking advantage. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Although they're having a three-way with Rhonda, and these guys are just kind of snuggling on the on the on the. Uh, well, they heard the glass shatter. So they, oh, yeah, they probably yeah. thought there was... He's an intruder or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and wrestle him to the ground. But then you don't hear of him again. Like, he, he's at... Muriel invites him to... That's weird. To this <laughs> wedding. Uh, fake wedding with the South African swimmer. And he's kind of scowling at it and looks really... He just looks really upset. And he's upset. But, like, sh- there's no... You kind of think that maybe that that would be that eventually that would um, resolve itself. I suppose the film. I suppose the film didn't want to say, and now she's with a boy, and isn't she? Because the whole film was like, she doesn't need to be married. She doesn't need to be married. Yeah, exactly. So I can see why the film didn't put him in at the end. But then why put him at the wedding? Why not just leave him after the scene where they have the the snog and then Rhonda falls? It would have been fine to. Yeah. For I that mean, I think the film, you're right, like the film was saying, oh, women don't shouldn't need or want to get married to be happy. But I think it would have been nice at the end to, to show him maybe and him and Muriel meeting up and, you know, having a coffee or something. And Yeah. They did like each other. Yeah. So the last scene in the film is them in Porpoise Spit on the taxi, right? So it would Sydney, yeah. yeah. So it would have been a little wet. Day. I know what you mean. I personally just would have just left him out of the wedding because to me seeing him at the wedding implies that he's still like that that there's a there's a journey there like he's sad the last time we see him he's sad so like usually when we meet a sympathetic character and that well apart from her mother (laughs) you want that resolved you know Mm. his story was just a bit up in the air at the end so then she gets married so we're go- we'll go back through their characters when we go on but maybe we'll just she gets married and she's delighted with her husband so yeah so I mean she the South African swimmer who wants to swim for Australia but then needs to be married for him to be considered an Australian citizen yeah, yeah, yeah so they put an ad in the paper for somebody to have a fake marriage like marriage convenience as you said and Muriel is quite taken with him because he's quite... It also brings a certain level of fame because he's famous. 
Yes, and yeah, so she she thinks it's great, the fame and the, the attention, I suppose. But I suppose before, actually before that, this is kind of important, she has been going to wedding dress shops oh, yeah. and trying on wedding dresses um, and actually t- telling loads of lies to the staff about her sisters. I would think I would think that that maybe is not a totally <laughs> uncommon thing to happen. I would. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's totally I'd uncommon. I'd say it'd be bright, that'd be good. And it was even referenced in Friends, you know. Yeah, you know. I wonder. It's almost become a cliche, hasn't it? I wonder. It was in. It was in. Well, Friends started the same year this movie was made. It was in Sex and the City as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and actually in Sex and the City Miranda was pregnant and was in a maternity one that was Phoebe wasn't Phoebe pregnant in her wedding dress as well wasn't oh, yeah. she pregnant with the triplets and yeah yeah, yeah 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 she was like my dress is like it's not too my shop was called it's not too late oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder I'd love to chat to some staff in a wedding shop and see do they kind of because you would guess I mean if a girl comes in on her own I mean I, I, I feel like most potential brides would go wedding shopping with their mother or they seem to give you champagne it's a good way to get some free champagne (laughs) there you go maybe we'll try that (laughs) (laughs) and and then she collects photos in an album and then it's yeah it's like it's so hard to watch isn't it (laughs) yeah the frustrating thing at this stage is in the film is that at this stage in the film we're we just feel so bad for her mother. We just feel... After the wedding scene, you feel particularly shitty for the mother. Yeah. Because the... Okay, let's talk about the mother. <laughs> Don't know where to start. <sighs> is the she mother, the at most... The start of the, at the start of the movie, you just kind of feel that the mother is, is a, a... A nice, but meek, and doesn't really have a voice... The father is a totally overbearing presence in their life and keeps telling the whole family that they're worthless and rubbish. There was a very the actress who played her is Janine. Uh, uh, Jeannie, Jeannie Jeannie Drynan. Drynan. She is wonderful. Wonderful. I thought she was very very good, and it's only later in the movie that you kind of see this. But when they're they're sitting around having dinner. And uh, what's the name of the woman that he Deirdre. Is? Deirdre. Deirdre is this woman who works in the beauty industry who gives Muriel a job. Um, but the dad keeps happening to encounter in these restaurants and calls her over. You can see in the mother's face her reaction. She knows that there's something going on, but she forces a smile and forces to say, oh, how beautiful she is uh, or how beautiful you look trying to hold on to her marriage and trying to just do anything to please the dad so he won't leave her which eventually of course he does she makes excuses for her children she thinks that muriel would never do this to her and take because she sees the best in everything she She sees the the best even in dear i think a part of her even though she probably knows a part of her doesn't she even say oh dear she's a great woman or dear she's very i'm very fond of she says something Something it's almost like she knows she knows muriel stole the wedding and she knows deirdre is shagging her husband but she's like no just won't accept no and wants to think that life is fine and everything is good and people are nice and yeah I, I, even when Muriel says no it was me I took the money she's, she's like oh, oh well maybe it was you know, yeah you know. yeah 
Um, it's it's hard. It's 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 very hard to watch, and she does it so. She, her face has this innocence on it, and she does it so well. And, and then, it's almost like, why would you do this to me? Yeah. Why would you do this to me? You you know this was going to affect us. And but you do feel like shaking Muriel as well because at the wedding scene then the father makes some pass, passing remark that oh because he's no money he had to she had to get a taxi he, she couldn't fly and you're kind of thinking well how did you all get here and she pulls a blade for the wedding at the back of the church and she's so happy she's got this big smile on her face and Muriel just walks past her now but doesn't see her no? at the same time like She'll be looking. She, she'll be looking for her, uh, and she has a photograph. Uh, Deirdre is up at the top with her father, so Muriel has totally accepted. Muriel kind of gets a bit ratty with the father when she goes for lunch, saying, "Are you, Deirdre? Are you Deirdre together? Yeah. What about mum? What about mum?" But that's the only bit of loyalty that you see, Muriel or Mariel at that stage, towards her mother, because she's happy to pose with Deirdre at the wedding. Deirdre's sitting up at the top. And, you know, I kind of think if, if you and I got married and my dad had, like, a new woman, I, like, literally, like, a couple of weeks beforehand, I would be like, I don't know if you want to sit at the top and also where's mum, you know? And then she just walks by and she just gets so because upset. Muriel, again, is is sort of self-absorbed. All she Yeah, she's totally self-absorbed. At the, at the time is the image, you know, this is her wedding, this is a look, you know. She's no, she's no time for her mother or for Rhonda, who are two people that care for, care for her as a person. Yes. Um, they're the only two people, really, that care for her as a person, but they don't fit into her image of what she wants to be. At that and, point, uh, anyway, she wants to be that not particularly nice girl being getting married, and you know, yeah. And she even seems to think that because uh, Rhonda, and I know we're jumping her. back and forth, and we will talk about the mother's death in a second, but just because we're at the wedding, she does, she, she, she has all her, her ex friends as bridesmaids. And Rhonda yes. just can't understand that. She's like, why would you have... As, as all of us, I go... In fact, you even said that. That's not the girls from earlier. And I was like, yeah, it is. And then she, when she says it to Rhonda, she's like, well, look at me. They said I would have meant to nothing. And look at me getting married. But it's like, no, you're... She's still living her life by their rules. Exactly, like their, exactly. Yeah, she's impressed then. Yes. Well, I, 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 she did ask Rhonda to be a bridesmaid, which was something, I suppose. And Rhonda said no. But because I guess Rhonda, I suppose, and principles and realized what she was doing. Yes, because, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but then after the wedding, so the oh. mother is there at the wedding, gives a big smile, is overlooked, and it's just heartbreaking. And after the wedding, the father comes home, takes some suitcases, and walks out and says, "I want a divorce. I'm leaving you for Deirdre." Deirdre. Actually, is that before the wedding or after? Because he's uh, linking Deirdre at the wedding. No, it's after. I think. Okay, he kind of separates. He separates. Yeah, he separates from her at first, doesn't he? Because he, <laughs> she says, the doctor says he needs a break from the family. <laughs> yeah, but he's gone to. He's he's had to go to Sydney for some inquest because yeah. oh, of yeah, yeah. the money that was stolen. No, over bribes. He's been accepting oh, he's bribes. Been accepting yeah. bribes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he hasn't seen that. So while he's in Sydney, 
he starts seeing Deirdre and then goes back to the family home, says, I want a divorce and I'm leaving you for Deirdre, Deirdre. Um, and the mother still trying to defend the father, defend the indefensible, takes, uh, has a bit of a breakdown, takes a, a newspaper and hits the son and says, would you ever go out there and mow the lawn and stop, you know, embarrassing your father? So she has a, a total nervous breakdown because her whole life is kind of she crumbled. breaks down in the kitchen. She breaks down in the kitchen, and that's then, the saddest part of the film for me. Uh, and then Muriel gets a wedding to say that the mother has died. I don't. Am I right in saying you didn't quite cop that she took her own life? Uh, no, I not not at the time when they when she explains that she took pills and that the doctor said that we should just say it was a heart attack because your father has gone through too much or whatever. Uh, and I did obviously realize it. Yeah. So they even took her, her own death away from her. her own, uh, exactly. And yeah. then what did the, what did the bitch Deirdre say? <laughs> Deirdre said, <laughs> now because she's, oh, I know because she died, the press will be kinder on the father or something. And she's like, at least her life amounted to something. Is that what the something like that? Yeah. yeah. So even 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 in her death, they're trying to see how it'll affect or impact the dad. Yeah. Oh, and he's del- at the funeral. He's delighted that there's all he's press saying, people yeah, there. He's the, having a great yeah. time at the funeral. He gets the former prime minister of Australia to write a letter and uh, gets the priest to read it out. Yeah. It's despicable. It's despicable. <laughs> despicable. That poor woman. <laughs> and then she runs out. Muriel runs out and bumps into... Muriel has a bit of a go at him in the garden then and he does kind of seem to turn a corner slightly. Yeah, I think she kind of says... He says to her, you'll have to come back and look after the kids. And she's like... No, you're your kids. Why? I'm... Uh, it's not my responsibility. Yeah. It's, they're your kids. It's your turn to do it. Yeah. And good for her. <laughs> and he also realizes that Deirdre is not going to be necessarily as keen to marry him with the uh, with the kids. Yes, yes. And also, uh, Muriel then pays back the money, so she's kind of redeemed. Well, some of it. Part of the money, yeah. She's redeemed. Mind you, I thought she stole three thousand, and she gives him a check for five thousand. No, I think in the end it said something like twelve thousand. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> um, um, that's partially based on a true story. Muriel's wedding? No, not Muriel's wedding, but there was some girl in Australia who who who, who stole a big portion of money from her parents and well, then moved to uh, Sydney for a couple of months and like it it happens yeah. all the time. Too, actually. Too <laughs> yeah. Did you think she was? It was well acted by by uh, what's the Tony mother's Kinnett? name? Uh, very good. Oh, yeah, so good. good. She yeah. was nominated for a Golden Globe. I couldn't get over that she was. Uh, the mother in the sixth sense about three years after this three or four years after this yeah I, it's so funny because i feel like this is a really old film and i don't feel like that with the sixth sense yeah i think i think australian films have this <laughs> sense of them being sort of old yeah you know? maybe and probably that's the style as well you know the st- the, the fashion that was in the movie made it maybe look older than than you, than you thought she was only 22 I know she, she was so good uh, I think she should have got nominated for an Oscar for this you'd hand out Oscars to no anybody. I wouldn't J-Lo Tony Collette <laughs> I mean well Tony Collette is one of maybe five actors that as soon as I know Tony Collette is in something I'm like instantly interested I think I think yeah, she's a she's, wonderful actress yeah. I think she's a bit of a chameleon I think her facial features are so 
um, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, I don't mean this in a harsh way. Um, she's kind of adaptable when when she puts. She's kind of an. She can look totally different. Yeah, her. She hasn't got particularly um, distinctive features. She's not got that. Yeah, she's got a face that can change. Yeah, so her whatever, whenever, whatever way she's styled, she totally and she's such a good actress. Even the way she holds herself, that she just melts into every role. So I, it took me years to actually recognize that the, the, the same actress, Tony Collette, was in this and was in uh, the Sixth Sense and that was in. Um, about a boy because she's just so different in all those films and and of course Hereditary is one of your favourite films I don't know if it's one of my favourite films but her performance is one of my favourite performances whatever about her not getting nominated for this mental that she wasn't nominated for Hereditary Uh, she only has one nomination which is for The Sixth Sense oh that's interesting I I thought she like her role in The Sixth Sense wasn't you know massively I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have thought it was an Oscar-y kind of role. Oh, there you go. I, 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 I'm just looking at the winners for Best Actress in 1996. Uh, Susan Sarandon won for Dead Man Walking. Um, and then the others are... I've never seen Leaving Las Vegas, have you? Is that the one with Johnny Depp? No, Nicolas Cage. Oh, no. Sharon Stone was nominated for Casino. Never seen that. Meryl Streep was nominated for Bridges of Madison County never seen that and Emma Thompson was nominated for Sense and Sensibility I have seen that I would have given I haven't seen three of them but I would have definitely given it to Tony over Emma that year like she she's so she's funny she is has dramatic roles she she does it all she does it all she's a little quiet complex character she built you know out of this kind of what's meant to be a bit of a yeah, and she has this lovely blank, uh, particularly in the first half of the film, before she goes to Sydney. She has this. Do you know Jiggly Caliente in Drag Race? Oh yeah. <laughs> do you know she kind of has this kind of blank <laughs> yeah, <laughs> facial yeah. expression? Um, Muriel Muriel has that as well, where her her lower lip is slightly open, and she's kind of. <laughs> You know that? Yeah, and quite sure what's going. Yeah, and she does that so well. And then the scene where she is kind of getting it on with your man, and she gets the fitty giggles as well. That's that's so because I don't think she's had sex before. No, no, it's quite, it's quite. Sex is kind of funny as well. Mm. Actually, one thing, and maybe I want this might lead us into talking about Rhonda. I love how Rhonda. I just think is wonderful. I think uh, what's that actress's name? Rachel Griffiths, Griffiths. Rachel Griffiths plays plays Rhonda. Yeah, and um, she's very distinctive looking. But I actually haven't seen that much thing. Uh, the only thing I've seen her in is Mother's Brothers and Sisters. Have you seen her in anything else? I've definitely seen her before in things, but I can't. I can't place yeah. her in anything specific. She's quite. Um, she's quite androgynous looking, and she's quite. Uh, I love how sex positive she is, and the whole story is. And this would have been in the early nineties. Oh, that's dirty! Oh, that no, that's rude. That's rude. <laughs> I love that she's a very sex positive character. She has like a threesome with these two guys, and the film never ever makes her out to be slutty cheap or, or slutty. Cheap. There could be an argument that she's punished for her sluttiness by giving her the cancer. However, she actually says to the doctor, "It's not from having too much sex, is it?" And the doctor is like. No, no, no. So yeah, I thought she said it's off from all the ciggies. No, sex. It's not from too much sex, is it? I think it's ciggies. No, it's sex. Definitely sex. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. I'm going to double check that because I think it, she says it's off from all the ciggies. No, she says sex. Okay. 
and I think that like I just think that's important that like and I feel like that's quite rare like in the in the early 90s or mid 90s that having a, a woman who's having like a lot of sex who's like even to have the, a, the, the film is all about changing the perception that a woman can only be happy if she gets married yeah yeah and like when she's having sex with the two guys and stuff uh, that's just that's just comes off as this fun and they're not actually they don't turn out to be horrible guys no they're, they're like nice guys. lovely guys because they like as soon as they think Muriel's in trouble they're like running out to her like yeah and I, I think that's lovely and even when she's in her wheelchair they're, they're not like she's still boy, like, empowered empowered because she still is like when the guy comes to collect her to bring her to the physio she's like I'll just get my ciggies. And <laughs> she's got her eye up. And, um, That's, uh, Muriel arranges for the, the people to pick her up to be kind of strippograms or something, don't they? Oh, really? I, oh, I didn't so. pick that up. I think that's. I think she arranges for... Ah, that's lovely yeah. as well. Yeah. So I think Rhonda's just... I, I, I love Rhonda. I think she's a wonderful person she's on screen. Kind of strong, empowered woman figure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I even like that when she's leaving, she's like, she's I do love you, Mom. She's the only reason why, in the end... Muriel has grown really yeah 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 and that's why I think that this is essentially about their friendship and that's why this is a a friendship film rather than a romance film Uh, and it does I suppose it does hit the same beats as a romantic comedy just the relationship it cares about is a friendship and that's not just I love films about friendship there's not that many of them really I think is it the case that Muriel is the only character in this to to have that arc to grow by the end of the film I don't really feel any of the kids have changed by the end of it. No, I, th- I think no. The mother's died. Uh, you could maybe say the father just has a bit of redemption the at the has end. A glimmer. A glimmer. A glimmer. It's it's more like in the sequel, maybe he'll. Yeah. <laughs> the Deirdre, no. Um, the girls the never get. Girls, but they don't no, redeem the themselves. The last scene is them being horrible. You maybe um, her fiance. The fiance actually starts off and being horrible husband. and is so disappointed to see Muriel when this is the one that I'm meant to be yeah. marrying. Uh, at the end of it, he actually has kind of fallen for her. A yeah, bit. yeah, I think he and has actually. Seems to be. Well, does that mean that he's grown? Not really. At the same time, he just goes to the funeral. The fact that he goes to the funeral, that's really, he didn't have to go to the funeral. Well, that's true. That yeah. was nice. He's just not, he's not a, he's not a total dickhead. No. He's just, he, <laughs> He's not too happy about the whole situation. He also doesn't really, even though he needs to do it, he doesn't like, he doesn't, I don't think he's too happy about that fact that he has to marry. To, no, you know, he's, he's kind of been influenced he, by his coach. And his, his rich parents. Uh, yeah. So he's entitled and he's spoiled and he's, but he's he, driven to, to succeed and win. But at the same time. He's just, also very suspicious about the type of person that would go into this. Like he, yeah. and then he kind of realizes actually it's not about the money. For her, it's more than that, and that kind of freaks him out a little bit at first, I think. And then he, and she's like, "Why did you marry someone?" And he's like, "I want to win." I want to win. Yeah. And then she, does she say the same thing? She says, "I've." He says, "I've, I've always wanted to win in life," and she says, "Me too." <laughs> Me too. But their definition of what it's two different things yeah she's playing a different game to what he is yeah you're right though I think she's the only one with a really proper art but that's okay it's it's Muriel it's about Muriel and she does she has a she totally changes and there's pits and falls and I think it's a very well crafted story I was a bit yeah I mean I was a bit disappointed about the kids not really growing about the mother not getting some sort of not revenge but her own back to a certain extent Um, yeah, she's kind of lamb for the slaughter, but I think 
her her death I suppose you could argue that her death brings the family back together yes and also gave me but all she wanted to do was to hold the family together and she wasn't able to do that in life so like maybe Deirdre was right and her death gave her life meaning you know but not in the way that Deirdre meant yeah but Muriel it, it did give Muriel the push to I'm pretty much done it yeah. gave Muriel the push to kind of to realize that her marriage was a sham and she needed to start being honest. That's it. Muriel, was such, Muriel kind of comes to terms with the fact that she's a, a compulsive liar. And around that time, when does she? Who does she say that to? She says, "I lie." She says it to the husband, "I lie so much that I've forgot." I've forgotten how to tell the truth. I've forgotten how to tell the truth. And I suppose the fact that Muriel is probably so horrified that her even her mother's death was covered up with a lie, so the Muriel then decides to live honestly from then on. So yeah, I think it's a, I think it's pretty good. So so there's a number of phrases in this movie which have kind of become. I don't know if it's just in the vernacular of like our quotes group of friends yeah. or if it's just yeah, in general. That's a good that point. Be kind of um, known. Well, uh, well, we have so a Tim in the periphery of our group. So let me just tell Sorry. you, right? There's obviously there's you're terrible Muriel you're terrible Muriel um, there's I'm married I'm beautiful <laughs> her um, face when she says that <laughs> quote yeah, yeah, is fantastic yeah. she reminds me a bit of Kelly Kapowski <laughs> maybe it's the the hair and the 90s clothes yeah oh jeez she's nowhere near as good looking as no with the same style she is actually really pretty that actress she just she pulls off that face that, that face. one face she pulls off is gas but she's meant to look horrible like yeah. in that scene yeah um, <laughs> also it's like shows that like she thinks that because she's beautiful that means she because she's married she's beautiful yeah, and yeah. and also like that means that you that she that raises her above muriel and ronda it is interesting like it's a it's a really interesting uh theme of the movie is 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 you know women and their self-worth being judged by the by the the men that want them and and not even not even the men that want them because Muriel is never that into guys she's just into the idea of being married married, and having the wedding yeah Yeah, and even the social status that will come with that and like that is a thing like um, I mean it's probably not as much of a thing as it was like a hundred years ago when like if a woman wasn't married by the time she was 30 it was like (laughs) you know a tragedy yeah um, but I mean, mo- mo- like you know, most a lot of single women will say that. A lot of people will say to them, oh, you know, TikTok, TikTok, you know, it's just the most offensive yeah, thing. Yeah. Nobody would ever say that to a bloke. A guy who's single. Well, is I mean, it's not, it's not as, I suppose, true for a bloke that you know, the women, the TikTok, TikTok for women is if they want to have kids and stuff. But it is kind of. Yeah, but I mean, it's, that's, a, that's assuming they want to have kids. Yeah. Assume, it's like, yeah. It's not. Uh, and also, if it is the case where somebody is in that position, don't fucking run yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, the other um, the other one, which is kind of embarrassing for me, is Tim Sims, right? Oh yeah, because we have a friend who also has a friend. So our friend Jason has a friend Tim. Yeah, and in the gang, people <laughs> sometimes say, "Oh, here's Tim Sims." And I just thought his name was Tim Sims. 
<laughs> I didn't get that it was a reference. I thought his name was Tim Sims, and they just went Tim Sims. <laughs> I never actually got that it was uh, a reference to Muriel's wedding. I should have known. I should have known because it was Yvonne and Susan. <laughs> Susan only saw this film uh, in recent years this is one of Dorina's favourite films as well I was hoping Dorina might be on for this podcast but uh, it'll be May that we record that one Dorina so whatever film crops up by then hear that Dorina whatever film crops up then awesome okay well I you want to talk a little bit about direction yeah PJ Hogan which sounds like a sounds Irish (laughs) Uh, not a very prolific director. The only it's, uh, my best friend's wedding. I think. My best friend's wedding is probably his biggest film. Has he won any Oscars nominations? No, no, he hasn't. He's won, he's he was nominated for a BAFTA. He's more. I think he's more of a. It's for writing. Yeah, he was nominated for a BAFTA for this, for writing, not for directing. Well, he wrote this as well. I think as a director, he he does his job competently. I wouldn't say that this is a particularly. There's no special No, I don't think I was like, ooh, wow, the direction of this yeah. film. But I think the writing is what Sean in this. The writing was... The camera on the people. Yeah, and, and lets the actors action, do their yeah. job. Um, and to be fair, there's some really interesting choices with acting and stuff that I'm sure... I think the writing is what makes this film... The writing and the, the acting is what makes this film so special. The writing is very crisp. And he wrote this as well. Obviously, he was nominated for a BAFTA. Yeah, his other films that, that he, he wrote... Or he directed... Sorry... I close the director. He's directed 12 things and a lot of them are tiny things. The last kind of thing that you might have heard of was Confessions of a Shopaholic. Um, 2009. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, got you one from um, Sasha Baron Cohen's wife, Elsa Fisher. Um, he did My Best Friend's Wedding. Like, he didn't, he's not, he did Peter Pan as well. So, like, he's not a particularly, prof- I'd have never even heard of him. Have you heard of him? No, I've never heard of him no. before. So, yeah, I'm sure he's just happy you doing his writing. Um, <laughs> that's very patronizing. <laughs> Fair page, uh, well done. Yeah. Um, the, the score and the music? I mean, this is, uh, apart from the song at the beginning, which is uh, Sugar Baby Love, oh, yeah. which I love, everything is ABBA. ABBA and they had to, um, they took, I don't think ABBA are quite um, strict with who uses their music and, um, they were quite funny about uh, but I think they liked the script or something so they gave it. and I think it gives the film a lovely a tone it sets the tone of the film very well mm. um, and there's some very funny it's used very well when um, when she comes home and she says I'm going I, I'm back and then the mum's like you stole the money and then as she leaves it goes straight back into is that Fernando? Fernando oh, yeah, yeah. I know Fernando's in it a good bit was that Fernando when she the song stops when she gets home and then she tells her mother I'm home and the mum's like you stole money and then she she just picks her bags and walks out and the music comes back on no I didn't and then she walks out yeah, yeah. And, um, I don't know what song it's and when she's trying on the dresses there's an instrumental version of Dancing Queen that's beautiful and then when she goes up, how do you remember all this God. I've seen this film a few times um, and then when she goes up the aisle she obviously does the two I do I do I do, I do which is yeah, funny yeah. yeah which is good so I think it works really well I mean ABBA I mean you get ABBA on your soundtrack I mean you can't go ABBA. wrong yeah, yeah. What else? We said the score, the direction, the writing, cinematography. Um, cinemato- I mean, no, nothing, really nothing particularly special. Yeah. So, um, do you want to have a look at our list? Overall enjoyment. Overall enjoyment, I think, is very high. Yeah, very, very high. I, I probably will put this higher than you, but I'm. I think I'm fairly. Um, I think I'll be fairly malleable. 
Um, can I just tell you where I would think I would put it, and then you can influence me either way. I, I think it'll be down. I think I'm going to put it higher than you. Okay, so I would put this at number four. Which is? After Fiddler and before Les Mis. Put it ahead of Les Mis? Yeah. I think I, think I can recognize that there's a lot of grandiose uh, aspects to Les Mis, but I think that this is more entertaining, and I would watch this. I don't really think I'll ever watch Les Mis again, and I will absolutely watch this again. Mm. I think it's the the right general area. I would put it ahead of Donnie Darko, Flatliners, Escape from New York, definitely, and fucking let's not even mention nine. Cause so you put it above Donnie, but I would, yeah, I I could be persuaded to put it ahead of Les Mis or after Les Mis. I think it's kind of on a par for me. They're so different as well. They're so different, but um, like, well, let's let's examine the performances then. So. Acting. Acting. Uh, I mean, Anne Hathaway is probably the standout moment for Les Mis. And everyone else is grand. I think this is quite a few pretty... I think there's a few performances in this that are just so lovely to watch, such as Tony Collette, um, Rhonda, the mother, mother, and the father as well, actually. And then the side characters like the girls, especially. You're beautiful. Like, actually, when you think about it, the... The big iconic lines that we keep quoting are terrible. Are, aren't um, the, main the main characters? You're terrible as Joni, who who tiny role, but was excellent. Very like that's like she's iconic almost yeah. in that role. And same with you're beautiful, Tim Sims. That's Muriel, I suppose. Tina? And then Rhonda's. I I I I love Rhonda's off screen. That's rude. <laughs> that's rude. <laughs> so. I would I would say performances in this personally. I think the performances were probably more are the from an acting technical perspective in Les Mis I would imagine are more difficult and more challenging. I think mm. the, drum, the the sort of the drama, the emotion, even taking into the mother's performance like um oh we never mentioned the shop Connor oh. The, the supermarket when she, she takes her shoes she takes, off. She takes her <sighs> shoes off. Or she and just that. her feet are hurting her, and she gets two slippers. For probably two euros. They're like one seventy nine or something. And, and that same, demon the woman. Shame uh, that was that was a lovely bit of. It wasn't just a random person. Like it, it was. Yeah. It, it was the woman from earlier on. And then when she's sitting, and she's just got this blank expression on her face when she's sitting. Well, well, the, her her husband's like she's not rotten the head. Oh. That's when he leaves her. That's when he says, "I want to divorce and leave oh. her for Deirdre," and then she dies. The the struggle oh. broke the camel's that, back. That's see, so simple. Yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah. So I don't see what we're talking about now. I don't feel I'm apart from Anne Hathaway, who was amazing in it. I don't feel there was any other performances in that film that made me go. I do feel that when when I watched that mother, I really felt for her. And I don't maybe think the same of any of the characters really in Les Mis. Is that their script or is it just that woman's ability to convey so much in her face? Because she doesn't have that many lines. Maybe it's just that she was more relatable. You could understand her. You could understand that woman maybe more. And a woman who had given everything to her family who had been essentially horrifically abused emotionally emotionally abused yeah um, 
and I just ended up giving up and having a nervous breakdown. So maybe she's more, maybe in a modern day context, she's more understandable. I mean, I think when we watched Les Mis, we were very sympathetic with Anne Hathaway because she just keeps spiraling down. Do you remember that yeah. scene? But I suppose, I mean, I think Tony Collette. But it's probably more, in Les Mis, it's probably more, it's kind of more explicit and more less relatable in a modern day context, I suppose. Yeah. But I, I even even if we, even if we were to say Anne Hathaway still pref- was a ju- uh, more sympathetic and performed that better, I think if you look at like I think Muriel does some amazing. Uh, Tony Collette is like you know when she when her friends defriend her mm. and all that like she's she she gets to those beats and then when Rhonda gets cancer and she's in hospital and stuff she is pref- she is doing a lot of acting as well, so I feel like there's more commendable performances in Muriel's wedding. Okay, I'm happy to go with that. Yeah, I think I, 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 I don't think I cried in Les Mis, but I think I cried with that movie. Yeah, scene. the music is like Abba versus Les Mis, or oh, yeah, <laughs> um, and the direction. I think I don't think either film is like particularly interestingly directed, but I think, I think Les, Les, Mis Les Mis would be the more. I, I, I don't think Les Mis is the most interestingly directed film, but I don't think you can compare. I think to be honest, this is just going to come down to overall enjoyment, which has the. You know, well, we've just said the acting may, might go to Muriel, the directing, the cinematography, the costumes, all that kind of stuff will go to definitely will go to Muriel. Yes, that's fair. Um, so overall enjoyment, then, yeah. Well, I I would definitely give Muriel. I think I probably enjoyed Muriel's wedding more. Yeah. Okay. So let's okay. Put so we put that number four. Okay. So we got. Oh, um, I noticed actually that I would say Harold and Maude could be considered a romantic comedy as well actually and that's number one so we've got two uh, this is our first official romantic comedy even though we don't think it's a romantic comedy <laughs> but that's what it is for for uh, the theme of Silver Screamers this month so number four Muriel's Wedding Muriel's I think that's a nice spot a nice respectable halfway mark yeah. uh, just over the halfway mark would disagree she'd be like she'd be like number one yeah but she would have put Miz number one well no she, Fiddler's her favourite but she would have put Les Mis above Oliver which is wrong <laughs> <laughs> um, here listen next week and I, I feel like am I right I feel like we're going to be a bit more prolific This I feel good about this year what do you think Con? we'll definitely try <laughs> Well, do you want to tell me what you are going to nominate for your um, so, well, second week? And it can't be 1990s. No, no. So I had two options, and maybe I'll give you both, because you can tell me whether you consider them rom-coms. Okay. <coughs> so the first one was Some Like It Hot. Oh, my God. That was one of my two. Really? Yes. And the second one was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. So one's in the 50s, which is something like it has, which is 59. And Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is 67, I think. I have never seen Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, but I wouldn't have thought it was a romantic comedy. I thought it was like a drama. It's a drama comedy. There's a couple in it. They're, you know, obviously he's black, she's white. I would prefer something like it half because that was one of my choices. <laughs> then we don't have to flip a coin. Uh, we just no, I have, my, I have my own. So we can pick my one, my other one, and that, and we can put the pit them against each other. Oh, what's your one? My one. Okay, I'll give you a clue. Is something like it half a romantic comedy? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, got it's got drag in it. It's got it's very funny. Yeah, great. Okay, I'll give you a clue. I'm going to sing the theme to it. Do do do. 
I couldn't help but wonder. Oh no. Yes, Sex in the City the movie. Oh no. Yes. Oh dear. Yeah, that's what I'm picking. Oh for God's sake. It's a good film. Have you ever even seen it? No. Well, there you go. It's a romantic comedy, so that was your genre. So Is it a romantic comedy? Yes. Is it not just a pile of shite? No. <laughs> anyway, even All if right. you don't like it, it'll create a fun discussion. Okay, well, so some like it hot heads, some like it hot, which is the not no, mine is the noughties and yours is the fifties. So big, big difference there. Heads, uh, what do you heads or tails? Uh, tails. Tails. Okay, heads for sex, tails for happy or hot. Heads. What's that? Sex and the city. Yay! I think you like it more. Like I don't know why you're so averse to it. I don't know why I am either. But yeah. I just, I just you have to go home and open just, mind. You know, I make up my mind about things before I actually uh, conform. I form an opinion. <laughs> I mean, it's. A, I mean, okay. The, the 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 first film isn't like the most amazing film, but it's enjoyable and the cast is great and stuff. So yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, until next time, this has been Paul. And you've been listening to Silver Screamers. Hey, Mamma Mia. I'm beautiful.